Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition, a very special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July 19th. 2020. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 17th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,998. That's 14998. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,999. That's 14999. This morning, A Vision for You celebrates its eighth anniversary with a very special edition, 12 testimonials as to the experience and results of the program of recovery and a relationship with power. Many people consider the program of recovery, the 12 steps, one of the greatest miracles of the 20th century. There's no telling how many lives have been touched and transformed by the 12 steps. The sole purpose of this step work is to find power through the experience of a spiritual awakening. The 12 steps enable people of all walks of life, all different types, from all different backgrounds, in spite of all odds, to experience change, transformation, like never seen anywhere else. Yes, as the big book states, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. What a miracle. Twelve simple steps which anybody can apply. Today, A Vision for You celebrates its eighth anniversary. Eight years of coming together each morning to crack open the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous, lovingly referred to as the Big Book, and to bring it to life based on our experience as recovered compulsive overeaters. The spiritual chain reaction that grew from Ebby and Bill to Dr. Bob in Akron and to Roseanne S. in California with OA beginning in January 19, 1960 to a vision for you, an Overeaters Anonymous phone meeting which began July 18, 2012. That same spiritual chain reaction has now stretched to countless compulsive overeaters 
with a membership in a vision for you which exceeds 7,000 members and represents all 50 states and over 51 countries. As the big book says, we have recovered and been given the power to help others. Yes, indeed, God uses recovered people. Yes, we celebrate the wonderful growth of a vision for you in the eighth year of its founding. We marvel and rejoice that the near impossible, beginning with 30 members and now a membership which includes over 7,000 people from around the world, this incredible growth has really happened. However, we continue to have a responsibility. As the fifth tradition states, we have but one primary purpose, to carry this message of recovery to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. No matter how different our own personal desires or concerns, we are all bound together by one common responsibility. Clearly, our first duty to a vision for you and Overeaters Anonymous future is to maintain and grow in full strength what we now have. Only the most vigilant discipline and commitment to the message of recovery can assure this. Never should we be lulled into complacent self-satisfaction by our seeming success or allow unthinking enthusiasm to put us off the main track and off our main purpose. This is the subtle temptation which could stagnate us today or disintegrate us tomorrow. Our chief responsibility to the newcomer on this meeting and in every Overeaters Anonymous meeting must always be an adequate presentation of the program of recovery. Our fellowship has been permitted to achieve only by God's grace, love, and mercy. As a fellowship, we ask nothing of power, nothing of personal success, nothing of personal recognition. But we do have an enormous interest in having influence. We want to touch lives. We need to touch lives. As we better use the language of the heart, may we continue, please God, to grow. For so long as we remain sure that our growth is God's gift, giving credit where credit is due, rather than any virtue earned or created by ourselves. And for so long as our fellowship around the world continues to be ever more inclusive of those in need. And for so long as we continue to speak the language of love and the language of service, 
For just so long may our true ambition be the deep desire for each one of us individually and as a group to live usefully and always walk humbly under the grace of God. This morning, you will hear from 12 voices, recovered compulsive overeaters, each describing in their own personal way how the individual steps have changed them. 12 voices weaving together 12 stories of transformation, messages of depth and weight, creating a powerful message of hope and possibility. We will get started with step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Presented by Duell from New York. Good morning, Du. Good morning, and thank you, sweet Leah, for that beautiful introduction, and happy anniversary to everyone on A Vision for You. Um, I was thinking, um, oh, uh, so good morning, everyone. My name is Du, uh, my last initial L, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And uh, as I was, um, you know, coming on the line, I was reminded, um, Leah telling me, oh, you've been consistent for the last 11, 12 years. Um, And I was thinking, wow, I'm so glad that I have been consistent and persistent in this program of recovery, because if I'm not persistent and consistent, the disease will be consistent and persistent with me. And um, why is step one the most impactful and transformative step in my life? Simply put, because it's uh, step one is the foundation to the rest of the healing process through the 12 steps. And the foundation is explained in the fact that I have a problem which I lack power. And the doctor's opinion describes a plan of recovery for that lack of power. It also describes a return to health, which I never had. And it describes me in a typology, which I'm going to uh, describe in a couple of minutes, what that means. You know, I'm put into a distinct entity, a different class of people that is not like normal people. And what is the dilemma? Lack of power. In what way? In what way do I lack power? Why is that my problem? Well, I lack power in choice, in decisions, in my food, in my life. And the doctor's opinion tells me that I'm bodily and mentally a very sick person. And if I don't understand that I lack power, then I won't want to move to a greater power source, let alone access that power or even transmit that power to others. The doctor's opinion gave me the blueprint to my problem. Understanding my problem was just the beginning. More had to be done. But let me take a few minutes to explain exactly what I have learned and how it has transformed me in my life. The doctor's opinion explained my problem of being a compulsive eater. I first had to learn that I was a very sick person through no fault of my own. And what a great relief that was to know that. I learned that I had an illness that affected my body and my mind in a way I never understood that before. 
it plainly told me that I was sick, not for the reasons I thought I was sick. I thought I was sick because I love food too much or had me uh, to, you know, it had me be a heavy eater. I had uh, too many problems to solve. I had to shed a second person off of me to be okay. It was because I had too many character defects or I had to be on a diet. But the doctor's opinion explained to me that though these reasons had certain plausibilities in my life, those were not the real reasons for my demise. The real reason is because I'm bodily and mentally different, which differentiates me and sets me as a distinct entity from normal and heavy eaters. Different how, you may ask. Well, it went to further explain that in details, and it started with the body. My body has an abnormal high sensitivity or abnormal craving, yielding an insatiable appetite for foods. Now, not all foods, not just some foods, but particular key food ingredients that kept me in the vicious cycle of yielding to a craving of more and more, which comes after ingesting those particular key food ingredients, which are for me added sugar, added fat, and added salt. I'm not talking about the foods that have naturally occurring sugar and fat and salt in them, but the ones that the food industry bombards me with at alarming rates. This allergy of the body would not only affect me physically with obesity and other illnesses, but also kept me in an anesthetized, numb, and stupefied way with my mind. I lacked the will or the power to make different choices in my life to alleviate me from the powers of ingesting those foods in great quantities or kept me believing the lies, the justifications, the excuses, and unsound rationalizations for picking up the key food, uh, those key foods again and again, even after all the demoralization and the destruction that this cost me in my life through a manageability of trying to live life on life's terms um, and thinking that the food was the solution, thinking that this was the way to alleviate my symptoms. The doctor's opinion not only told me my problem, but it also gave me a remedy to alleviate my symptoms of my lack of power and listed them. So if we go to the doctor's opinion, it, it, after describing my allergy, then it told me that the only relief was entire abstinence from particular key food ingredients. It was more than abstaining from foods, because we all do that. We can abstain from foods. I can abstain from, you know, a chocolate glazed donut from a chocolate donut, but I'm still ingesting the donut, which is the problem. Um, it may be just the sugar that I have to abstain from, right? It was entire abstinence. It was more than just abstaining from these foods, right? It was entirely abstaining from all key foods. And that included all traces amounts of these added ingredients or ingesting these foods in great amounts. It also included not giving into the belief system or believing the lies that tell me that this time it will be different. And so I can rationalize putting off myself in high risk situations to get back into those foods. I had to realize that I believed the lie that I thought I had the power to control my foods and drinks 
And the honest truth was that I loved the effect and the high that these foods created in me. I chased the high of what was the black hole in my life. So step one assures me that uh, assures me that I was doomed to keep repeating this vicious cycle unless I experienced a psychic change, or in other words, a change in my mind, which encompasses my thinking, my attitudes, my behaviors, my emotions, my way of living, which I was consumed by the food and thoughts of the food. Today, I'm a free woman because I follow the clear-cut directions of step one, which is imperative for my brain to be cleared of these key foods before I can be approached and have a better chance of understanding and accepting what I have, uh, accepting that I lack power, I need power, I need to access power and then transmit that power to others. Now, with that being said, uh, let's look at how we can come to that power with the next speaker. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Duell. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, presented by Harlan G. from Arizona. Thank you very much, Leah. I'm so honored and so thrilled to be here this morning on Vision for You's eighth anniversary. I'm really honored. And thank you, Du, for giving giving us such a wonderful start on step one. Um, in November of 1934, Ebby Thatcher, armed with some things he was doing with the Oxford Group, came to visit Bill Wilson in Brooklyn, New York, at 182 Clinton Street. Bill knew the problem of alcoholism. He knew the physical allergy, and he knew the twist of the mind, but he didn't have a, <clears throat> excuse me, he didn't have a solution for it. Ebby Thatcher did not know the problem. He knew the solution, or he knew the, the, the remedy that he had been practicing in the Oxford group. And on that day in November of 1934, the problem met the solution. Years later, I came into Overeaters Anonymous, and I was presented with step two, and it said, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And I balked at this idea of a God-based solution, because the God that I was presented with in Hebrew school, the God that I was presented with as a child, seemed to me to be a very punishing God, seemed to me to be a God that was going to kick my butt because I yelled at my mother or because I didn't do this or I, I, I ate food that wasn't kosher or I rode my bike on Saturday. So this God was just going to kick my tuchus. And I wanted no part of this God. And I came into Overeaters Anonymous from tremendous degrees of pain and humiliation. I came in after a lifetime of being degraded and humiliated by people because of a disease that I didn't cause, I can't cure, and I cannot control. And so it seemed to me that this God was not someone that was on my side. And then I noticed with some very wonderful sponsorship, I noticed what it said on page 45. The thesis line of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is this on page 45. It says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. 
Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. And when presented with this, I didn't know until later on when I was worked with by a sponsor that we could formulate a definition of a higher power that I was completely comfortable with. And we had spent a lot of time formulating a food plan. And we had spent a lot of time talking about food. And now we were going to spend some time talking about who God is and who God isn't and whether or not I was comfortable calling that concept God and divorcing myself from a God, divorcing myself from a God that I did not want to believe in. And I didn't know that I could do that until someone helped me do it, until someone helped me see it, excuse me, until someone helped me see that we could do that together. And I also formulated in my mind this idea of a power greater than myself, which was liquid rather than solid. In other words, as my life changes, my idea of a higher power often changes. As the fortunes of life come my way, as the misfortunes of life come my way, what often happens is my ideas of God change with it. And what happens to me is I also didn't see things that were right in front of me. And it was because I had wonderful mentorship in this program that I was able to see other things that I had been blind to. It says on page 47, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself, so that all that was required of me in the beginning was to believe that there was a power greater than myself that I could choose to call God, I could choose to call it Lake Michigan, I could choose to call it whatever I was comfortable with. And if there was an agnostic listening to this, or if there is an atheist listening to this, or if there's a person of great faith in a religious deity, we can all recover together because there are no limitations on what we can do with this concept of a higher power in my brain, in my soul, and in my heart. And the Yiddish word of the day is amuna. Amuna means in Yiddish faith, and faith means I have a belief in that which cannot be seen or explained in logical terms. So the Yiddish word of the day is amuna. But what's important for me to remember, and this is something that affected me greatly, is I noticed that the wording of step two is not came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to abstinence. No, that would have been very limiting. The wording of the step is not came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to so Sobriety, that would have been very limiting. The word that God used, and I believe that the book is divinely inspired. I believe that it is one of two books that is divinely inspired because this book and its contents have restored more alcoholics, drug addicts, food addicts, gamblers, sex addicts, love addicts. It has restored more people back to society than all other measures combined 
combined. And in the last 85 years, we've had more recoveries from addiction through the use of this book than we have in the 5,000 years previous to this book. But it says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore me to sanity. And when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I had this mountain in front of me, and the mountain said food and weight. And for the first years that I was in this program, the only thing I could really concentrate on was my report card. And when I say my report card, I mean the scale. How am I doing scale and if the scale went down I heard applause and if it didn't I heard boos and that was very important for me to lose weight I came in at five six hundred pounds and came back over seven hundred pounds but sanity pervades into all areas of my life and as my disease vandalizes and putrefies and commits arson to every area of my life from money to relationships to body image to everything, the, the recovery starts to resurrect and reconstruct areas of my life and makes me, makes me clear on things I didn't even know were broken. And so in my life today, in recovery, because of step two, I am resurrected and reconstructed in areas of my life that I didn't even know were broken when I first came in here. And I'm going to close with this because my time is just about up. And that is this. This word sanity came to believe that a power greater than, my, than ourselves could restore us to sanity takes the ceiling off. And what it does is it allows the program to come in. And what it does is it reconstructs and makes whole areas of my life beyond the food and the weight. And with that, I will pass. Thank you again for allowing me this honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harlan G. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Presented by Matt F. from Illinois. Matt F, star one to unmute. Matt F. will be joining us momentarily to speak on step three. Can I be heard? I hear you, Matt. Welcome. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, This is Matt F. from Illinois who uh, God saw fit just to disconnect me and then keep me from getting dialed back in. Um, I'm going to speak today on 
uh, on step three, which is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Um, you know, the, the experience I just had is a, great ex- is a great example of the power of step three in my life because I've been in this program since February 25th of last year. Any date before that date, if what just happened to me had happened, I would be complete, my hair would have been completely on fire. I would have been completely unable to dial back in and with a voice that was not shaking and a mouth that was not filled with a donut, share anything with anyone about anything. For me, step three, I know a lot, a lot of people consider the first three steps sort of the foundation. Step three is embarking on the journey. For me, step three is not a decision once made that, that launched me onto this journey. Every time I do any of the steps, to me, that is a rededication of my will and my life to the power of God as I understand God. It underpins every step 10 I give, every step 10 I receive. It underpins every prayer I say and every time I believe that I hear what God is telling me about what my life is supposed to be at all in the next moment or forever. It underpins every act of service and every act of carrying the message that I do. Each time I do any of those things, it is a reaffirmation of that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God. So, what I would love to do is just talk a little bit about what that means to me. You know, I, I grew up with no religious faith at all. And um, a consequence of that is I came to this program a pretty devout agnostic. I did not uh, have any religious faith to speak of. Um, I was spiritual. I, I was pretty sure that there was a God. But however sure I was that there was a God, uh, I was much more sure that that God had absolutely nothing to do with me. Having said that, I don't remember the first time that I came across the notion that God literally is everything or nothing from the big book. I wish I could. But I do know that the first time I saw it, it hooked me. And every time I saw it after that, way before I was in program, I was partnered with someone for nearly three years who was in a different fellowship, worked a really good program, multiple big books in her house. But even before that, every time I saw it, it hooked me, and I had no idea why. And then God, who had apparently set, you know, I don't know, 17,286 days of my life, putting together all of the dominoes that would be required for me to be in a particular moment and here at a particular moment 
someone say, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting and suddenly realize that I had a problem that I didn't even acknowledge existed and disdained and find myself in a program that I disdained openly. How could I see that as anything other than the hand of a higher power? That I had been delivered into a solution to a problem I did not acknowledge existed, let alone that I didn't have. And then have it completely transform my life. So <clears throat> I take literally my faith today I'm no longer agnostic. My faith today is that God literally is everything. Me, everyone listening to this call, the iPhone I'm talking on, everything. And the implications of that in my life are enormous. Because what that means is that everything that, that has ever happened, is happening, will ever happen, is exactly what was supposed to happen. So what am I doing having all these feelings about it? That, to me, is the fundamental acknowledgement that is implicit in step three for me. I am not the director. Every time I have my, a character defect flares up and I have a resentment, that is my disease using its tools to try and have me reassert control of my life. Now, that doesn't mean that I give up self-will. It just means that I don't let it run riot. It doesn't mean that I don't have to take action. It just means that I have a responsibility to discern what that action is supposed to be. It doesn't mean that, quote, bad things don't happen. That otherwise, without, without step three, when bad things happen, like when I get disconnected from a phone call to talk in front of hundreds of people in real time and try and dial in literally four times and can't get reconnected right as I'm sure I'm being introduced. I don't go get a donut because that was supposed to happen too. So for me, step three was not only, and, and you know, because of the way that I came into the program, it wasn't like I worked step one, then I worked step two, and then I worked step three and answered a bunch of questions and everything. It, like, it all just kind of happened in that moment. And because it did, I, it was only in then finding my way into the program, initially into, into OA literature, and then through the grace of God, finding my way to Vision for You and working the big book that I came to understand and was able to really unpack what had happened. So made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. It doesn't mean that I don't have responsibility. It means that I do have responsibility. It doesn't mean that I make the decision once, now I'm done. Man, if the steps worked that way, I'd never have to do 10 steps. I did by step four, I gave them away in five. Became willing in six and seven. God took away my character defects. Woo, I'm done. That's not how it works. Every time I work a step, every time I work 10, 11, and 12, or work any of the earlier steps of the sponsee or myself, I'm making that decision all over again. And that's why, to me, I was, I was so grateful to be asked to speak on step three. Step three for me was not the gateway. It was not step one of the journey. It is every step of the journey.
And all I have to do is remind myself in the moment. I used to I used to say a grounding prayer of Thy will not mine is done, or Thy Thy will not mine be done. I've started saying Thy will not mine is done, because that connects me to the present moment and reminds me that everything that's happening right now is God too, including my recognition that it's probably my time and I should pass. So thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning, and I pass. Thank you so much, Matt S. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, presented by Elizabeth D. from Massachusetts. Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Um, How Step 4 transformed my life. Um, Probably helpful to begin with um, some background. Um, I came to OA in 1987 at the age of 27 um, on the advice, actually, of a psychiatrist um, who said to me, I'd learn the limits of control in these rooms. And, of course, that went completely over my head. But today, at age 62, because of my relationship with the higher power of my understanding, access through the working of the 12 steps and particularly the four steps, and it's, and also for me the daily extensions of the four steps, which are the 10th and 11th, I've come to a really deep, profound understanding of the limits of control. Not complete, but certainly enough to transform my life for the better. I have a freedom and peace and happiness today, most days of my life, um, not to mention the pleasure and comfort that comes from living in a thin body. My top weight uh, was 265 pounds, and today I hovered around 140 pounds at five feet six inches. And I've not only had been released from the paralyzing obsession with food, um, I've been recovered for about three and a half years, but I've also been recovered from the flip side of my disorder, which is an obsession with body image and weight. Uh, when I go up and down the scale, or down the up or down the scale five pounds, I don't freak out. I don't ever exercise. I get with my higher power. I discuss it with another recovered fellow, and I make adjustments to my food plan, which is for me disciplined, weighed and measured, entirely abstinent, and committed to God, the God of my understanding, one day at a time. So I grew up in a loving middle-class family, wanting for nothing really. Um, I was blessed with loving and attentive parents and an extended family. There was, however, this teeny tiny little problem with perfectionism over responsibility and a need to control in an attempt always to minimize pain and uncertainty. Um, And in my life, everything looked good on the outside. But inside, I was prey to misery, self-doubt, insecurity most of my adult life. Uh, And I found relief um, in excess food. And um, I had long stretches of overeating leading to obesity, hypertension in my 30s, and, and some really serious health problems uh, uh, from time to time. This really is, for me, a matter of life and death. I must find a way to deal with the buildup of human emotions that drive me to the food. And the only solution that's worked for me is entire abstinence and working the steps um, so I can find a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. The fourth step which I'm talking about now, is it's not only restored me to sanity around food, it's literally transformed the way I live my life. So uh, before, I, before I describe how, there are two things. Um, um, one thing, actually, I'd like to say that helped release me from the reluctant, reluctance to embark on what many 
are very scared to start. It's a very daunting, it seems, from the outside, a fact-finding, a fact-facing endeavor. Um, what really helped me was when I, it was a turning point for me. I listened to an AA podcast years ago that encouraged me to think of the fourth step in this way. Picture the basement in my house, lined floor to ceiling with shelves. My life is like that. Before I did the fourth step, the shelves were packed with all manner of crap, defeating attitudes, behaviors, memories of wrongs that I'd done to people and myself, mistakes I'd made, jobs that I had lost, bad relationships. I mean, basically an unholy mess. No wonder my higher power couldn't get through to me. I mean, yikes, trying to clear all those unsaleable goods out of the shelves in one fell swoop and let the light and air of my higher power come in and transform me. And that's what it has done. Um, and so for me, clearing up the basement has been what it's been about. And the best way to describe how I'm a different person today is in really as a result of the fourth step is in three areas, my work life, my personal life, and my love life. Um, I can tell you, this is, is no exaggeration. When I say that the tendency to procrastinate that plagued my productivity most of my adult life has been lifted. Um, this is mostly due to the, for, the, to, to the fear inventory that I did as a result of doing the fourth step. I no longer put things off, waiting for some imaginary moment when the project can be done perfectly. The fourth step helped me see the merciless, deep-seated, unreasonable demand for perfection I put on myself. And with the help of my higher power, that has been released, which is a miracle. When I feel the fear that comes with starting a new project or getting or a new boss or a new coworker, I get with my higher power and I get on with it. Perfection is no longer required. Um, I'm tremendously more productive in my work life as a result of the fourth step. And I'm a better coworker. I don't demand perfection from others as much as I did before. Um, I don't expect so much. I don't expect for them to follow my script, regardless of their own wants, needs, and capabilities. And I don't make unrealistic demands on myself. I'm genuinely able to admit as a result when I need help rather than trying to maintain this veneer of all-knowing. I'm aware of when I want to blame others and use gossip as a weapon. You know, I sometimes make mistakes, but I'm aware and I'm less apt to do things. I'm, I, in general, I bring a level of honesty, forthrightness, and empathy to my work I never thought possible, and it's making, it has made me a more productive person. Working the fourth step has trans transformed my personal relationships with family and friends in so many ways. Um, I don't have time to name all the ways. The one way I know I, 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 I am with family members, the one way I can is how I am with family members who share my problem with addiction and alcoholism. Through working this step, I've seen where I made demands on them to follow my script, do, do things my way, regardless of their wants, needs, and capabilities. Operating that way stripped my, all the joy out of, of being with the people I love. Today, I put them in God's hands, and God's helped, release me, helped me release my fear of the consequences of their drinking and eating and overwork so I can enjoy them, love them in the moment. I'm going to end by saying that I'm entirely convinced that the skill set I've learned through the fourth step, and it is a skill set, 
the awarenesses that I've received the mis of the mistakes that I made in romantic relationships with men, combined with the tool of writing a sex ideal, have prepared me for my current relationship with a wonderful man. Uh, we're both in our 60s. I'm in a long-term committed relationship more satisfying than I'd ever known in my entire life, and it's getting better and better. I can entirely be myself. I've st as a result, the ultimate transformation is I've stopped hiding. My head is held high. I've cleared away the wreckage of the past. My higher is for, power is forgiven me and the mistakes of my past and keeps taking me to new things and opportunity. If the shelves start to get cluttered again, and they do sometimes, I have the 10th and 11th step to open up the space and allow the clear, fresh air of my higher power to come in. And I'm so grateful. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to share. Thank you. And thank you so much, Elizabeth D. Step five, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Presented by Craig S. from Oklahoma. Good morning, Leah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, asking me to speak this morning. What an honor to be a part of this uh, celebration of, of eight years of helping so many people. Um, I'm, uh, uh, and, and, and me, one of them. My uh, history with this program um, is uh, over 30 years of not getting very far. Um, I, uh, uh, I came into this program at, at around four, uh, 39 years old, and I uh, um, uh, did real good for a while. Uh, in other words, uh, I, I got through the first three steps, and uh, I lost a lot of weight coming in, and uh, I uh, um, maybe maybe worked on some of my grosser handicaps, uh, but um, the truth is uh, I'd get so far and I'd stop. Uh, when Leah asked me to speak this morning, she said um, she wanted me to she wanted me to tell me tell her the three the favorite steps that I wanted to uh, to speak on, which which of the three steps are, or which three steps would I speak on? And then she gave us an assignment. But um, I I uh, 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 of course wanted to go into as is my nature to argue, not to argue, but to to debate and to to cut things apart. Was to say, how can you separate one of the steps as favorite? You know, it's like. What's my favorite link in the chain? You know, you cut one of the links and the whole chain collapses. But the truth is that uh, that uh, I do have uh, some steps that were a lot more meaningful uh, to me when I took them, especially this last time in. And I think one of the reasons they're a lot more meaningful to me is that those are the ones that I needed the worst. Um, you know, uh, I uh, uh, had... Some of the others had gone fairly smoothly. Some, but uh, here come uh, here come this question, and the fifth step popped up. And here's why the fifth step popped up. The fifth step says that I admitted to God, to myself, and another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. And admitting I was wrong, admitting my wrongs, is still one of the most difficult things. I do. It, uh, my my ego, 
of course, gets in the way. Um, my uh, uh, excuse-making machine that is so well oiled and greased and planted inside me, it's uh, greased with uh, animal fat, I'm sure, and it's uh, uh, my, mach- my, my excuse-making machine kicks into high gear, and, well, it, uh, of course it went that way. It's, you know, it's, it's their fault. It's somebody else's fault, or or there was these circumstances that kept me from, you know, doing what I needed to do. And, and um, you know, there's a situation with somebody, uh, uh, you know, uh, at work or a relationship situation. Uh, it's never in my in my mind, I, uh, my fault. It was never my fault to begin with. Um, yes, I, I, I re- even relapsed. You know, I relapsed because somebody didn't follow my script. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, this step, this step makes me come down to the nature of my wrongs. It makes me bring all this down to... Uh, the nature of my character defects, what I've done to, in order to uh, uh, put this uh, put this series of events into motion, what have I done to to uh, urge them along, and to turn those magical magnifying glasses, as uh, Dr. Paul calls them, around and and look at look at me, look at what what I've done to put this. You know, Put this, uh, and I'm going to read from the page 75 real quick. It says, "We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we've taken this step of holding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eyes. We can be alone, at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we have begun." to have a spiritual experience, beginning to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the, that the food problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. And I'm going to stop right there because there's so much promise in there. There, there is so much... Um, hope. So when I when I come to uh, I, I'm in a situation now where I've been uh, upset with somebody, and I'm in the middle of working the steps on this with my sponsor. And uh, it took me a while to finally get down to realize that I'm doing the same thing. It doesn't matter on what scale. I'm doing the same thing that this person was doing that was pissing me off so bad. You know that that. Um, I I don't like him. I want him gone. Uh, I I uh, uh, think that he's playing politics all the time, and uh, you know. So guess who's playing politics all the time? Yeah. Guess guess who is doing the exact same thing? And so uh, if I can see that now, I you know I. I don't need to sit here in the stew, and this is another thing I did, and uh, uh, start to uh, uh, figure out how, how I'm going to do uh, my amends, you know. Because if I'm sitting here 
thinking about how I'm going to clean this up, how I'm going to make the amends, then I'm I haven't taken the the steps in order, and I haven't admitted to God, to myself, and then to another human being the nature of my wrongs. I haven't gotten down. And if I don't do that first, if I don't do that clearly, then I'm not going to be able to do that, um, uh, to do that amends, to clean that up. So this step has has uh, made a, uh, a huge difference in my spiritual growth and to becoming a spiritual human being. And uh, so anyway, I'm down to. It's amazing how quick seven minutes can go. And so uh, I'm going to pa- I'm going to pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Craig S. Step six: We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Presented by Chris B. from Missouri. Good morning, Vision. Good morning, everyone. This is Chris B., a compulsive reader in St. Louis. Hope everyone is well. Very honored to be here as well. Very grateful to be alive and free of the obsession this morning with everyone. Um, I am humbled by this step. This step was uh, and is a pivotal part of my recovery today. Um, looking at the breath of present that we're in right now, I'll say I don't have all the answers, and I am learning. Every day and every moment, I'm learning more. In the big book, it says um, right after that, 75, uh, page 76, if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. Squiggly lines, we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. And I humbled myself with a dictionary before this talk and looked up indispensable. Good God, what does that mean? Um, Unnecessary was kind of the, uh, excuse me, it was actually uh, absolutely necessary. So enough willingness that was necessary. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which have been, we admitted are objectionable or undesirable? Can he now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something we will not let go, will we ask God to help us be willing? That's it. I'm done. <laughs> Next step. Uh, my experience with this, with a sponsor who had an abundance of time five years ago, uh, was helping me rejoin the human race, uh, learn who I am. We actually went to a book called Drop the Rock to um, to get through it, um, to, to hear stories of others, to separate the spiritual from the uh, darkness of the defect. And even in um, the AA 12 and 12, it says, uh, I paraphrase here, but it's, it says that I'm trying to grow in the image and likeness of his own creator. And jumping around here, but it's definitely not by mistake. Uh, page 77 in the big book, the opposite page says our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. So here is I'm entirely ready uh, to do this scary action of change, uh, being open-minded to set aside everything I think I know for this new path, what does that look like? And um, it was very scary <laughs> to to walk this spiritual narrowing path upward, trusting God, faith, guidance, care and protection. I remember working in a restaurant five years ago when I was doing this step. Um, 
very broke spiritually, very broke financially, um, in a borrowed car, a stick shift. It was an 03 Ford Focus, and I was going to this restaurant with high-profile people. It's fine dining, um, no AC in the car, and I was, uh, I've heard uh, everyone else mirrors my defects. <laughs> and I, it was made my skin crawl every second of that experience. And um, I, I learned a lot about myself. They were all my teachers through this process. Uh, through that book and through the big book, I'm after power and sanity. I'm here to claim them. We can all claim power and sanity. And I need God to help me change in this way. Uh, to simplify things. I, I thought I needed everything very complicated and um, very, uh, I mean, chaotic. That's the way my life had been. It was dark in every which way possible. Uh, all the bedevilments from page 52, all the areas of unmanageability owned my life and every aspect of it. So helping receiving that help, receiving that love from a guide, my sponsor, and through action in this program, I could basically discover, uncover, <laughs> and discard, as Chuck C. says, these, once identifying them, the, the core spiritual maladies or these uh, beliefs, I have like three or four of them that are just there, they've been cultivated uh, since I was little. Uh, the main one for me is that I'm unlovable, aka bad, not good enough, uh, inferior, evil. And um, I protect that. Uh, exposing that would be so painful at some level, I believe it, that I would die. So I even manifest another belief, which is the fear of the pain of shame. So great, it's going to kill me. And I act accordingly. You know, I need to call down the thunder. I need the, this power to remove that from me. At once, God, remove this from me. Root and branch, take it away from me. Uh, this belief that tells me I'm unlovable. Uh, it tells me I'm not worthy, that I am not valued. Take it from me like a limb like an organ that I've had my entire life that's now cancerous, it's disease, it's blocking me from being of use, of maximum use. And once that occurs, it's not instantaneous in my experience. I have an obsession in the mind, so I'm going to focus on <laughs> that again and again. If I just say, remove it, remove it, remove it, um, I'm going to keep thinking about being unlovable. And I'm going to keep thinking about that fear and it's going to create more of it by the nature of obsession. So I need to ask what God's vision is. Help me align my soul with the vision of who I am without that belief. Um, I'm valued. You know, putting pen to paper and meditation and finding out what that is, what that looks like. What does sanity look like in terms of this spiritual belief? How you would have me be God. Well, I'm a man who's loved, lovable, whose life has meaning and purpose, who's inherently valuable. It's intrinsic. It can't be taken away and it can't be earned or lost. I don't have to do anything to 
received this limitless power from God. And those things have changed my life considerably. They weren't instantaneous or overnight. A lot of times the litmus test of the bedevilment that those are occurring will show me where I'm at with this step, um, how it's manifesting in my life. But I don't know if it's always going to continue this way, but usually when the prayer hits home and crafting of that prayer is effective, I will feel anxiety in that first day after or the night before. Um, and I think that's a human behavior. That's normal to fear the unknown. It's almost like the day one of school <laughs> or day one of a new job. Just learning a new skill, going on stage for the first time, or, uh, man, I don't know this. I'm green in this area of incompetence. And it's where I can learn stumble a little bit, and then grow. But that's my experience has been with step six and how powerful it can be um, and being open to it, staying humble, knowing that there's so much more to learn, so much more to experience, and that this step is never really done. Tapping into this power to not only remove it, but to ask me, where am I going? Where would you want me to go, God? How would you have me be? And it continues. Uh, there's a piece from Drop the Rock that I, I learned um, of awareness, acceptance, and surrendering. And my mind is so obsession-oriented obsession, obsession -oriented that I will obsess all day about fear or about something being wrong. And it goes off like an alarm. Ding, there it is again. Okay, well, I'm aware of that. Help me be aware. And help me accept that. I don't fight it. I don't fight that I'm this way. There's nothing wrong with my mind or me. And then how do I surrender? Well, I love that surrendering tangibly is an action in itself. So I surrender into action. Uh, getting on the phone with another, being in service. Asking God, developing this relationship, further cultivating it with my new best friend, looking inward and upward for that power, uh, something I cannot do alone. <laughs> and rejoining the human race is something that the um, grand sponsor helped me see that first year, as I was saying, this is like I'm living for the first time. It's like, wow, I'm seeing everything just with polarized sunglasses or I'm seeing everything in a painful way, like stepping into the sun after being in the dark room for three hours or so. I'm, um, I'm ready for that pain and I'm ready for that, that growth. The last five years have been nothing short of miraculous. It seemed like 50 years of life, living out loud, of pain, success, love, and I'm ready for more. Grateful to be here and share with that. I will pass. Thank you so much, Chris B. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Presented by Terry A.H. from Maine. Good morning. My name is Terry A.H. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Thank you, um, Leah, for in inviting me. I just I feel so blessed to be here with everyone this morning to uh, celebrate the eighth anniversary. And step seven has been a life-changing step for me. It, it's such a 
a beautiful step and I have a much better understanding of it today um, as I continue my recovery. And I like to call this step Grace Over Darkness, which is the acronym for God. And this is really, for me, the starting point of a new relationship. And this is here, here's where I get to live life with power. And what I needed to see through this process was what a powerless life that I led. And it would continue if I didn't look at the way I had been living. And as I go through this process and I get to this point at step seven, and if the stones are properly in place with the, with the foundation, the cement, the cornerstone, and the keystone, I should come to the seven-step prayer ready, really completely ready. And that's why the first two words say, when ready. And to me, this is more than a prayer. Um, it, can, uh, it can be just words if I'm not ready. So I'd like to share with you today what this prayer means to me as I break it down for you. It says, when ready. When ready for what? When ready to turn to God for help with everything I find objectionable from now on. When ready to change. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. God will take me as I am, the good of me and the bad of me. What I'm saying here is, God, you take it all, everything. And you put me in a position, and you determine what I need to do and what I don't need to do. I pray that you remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. What I'm saying here is I'm coming to you, God, with everything. And I'm saying, here I am. This is now your call, not mine. You, God, determine which aspects of my character is most useful because what I might perceive as a weakness may make me more approachable to others, and what I perceive as a strength may diminish my usefulness to others. I don't know what will be removed, but it's a commitment to a relationship that when these things come up, I turn to God. And what I'm saying here is, God, you decide how I'll be used for you today. I'm making this commitment not so I can get much more God. I'm making this commitment here to this relationship so God can get more of me. It's truly living this way of life, the presence of God that will only manifest in life. And I like, um, I'm a visual, so I'd like to um, just kind of share with you a visual on how I see step seven. You see, I don't just say this prayer morning and night. What I'm trying to do here is build a new relationship with God. Like, you know, it's, it's like any relationship. So for an example, you know, I have a relationship with my husband. We're married. And if I was just to get up in the morning and kiss him, good morning, and thank him for being in my life, then go about my day and ignore him all through the day, then do the same thing at night when I got home, I'm not going to really feel like I have much of a relationship. And I see that my relationship with God has been just like that. I have completely ignored the possibility that there was a power that would work in my life. So now I have to be in a place where I bring that relationship into my life all through the day. I have to take it a lot more seriously. It's here that I'm making this commitment to this relationship. It's a commitment that I don't even necessarily have to understand what it means to have God in my life. It's about putting the work into it for a start. 
and staying committed and plugged into this power. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. What would God have me be? This is becomes one of the biggest prayers that I can use on a daily basis. Yes, God, what would you have me be? Because I need God's strength and power to do his will. God's will is that I'm useful to my fellows and that every area of my life honors and glorifies him. I look at this arch and I'm on one side ready to walk through the other side. It's a true commitment to this relationship that is really completed and locked in from step three. As I walk through the arch, a new woman, I now have a new director, a new corrector, and a new protector. Happy anniversary of Vision for You. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Terry A.H. Step eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Presented by Russ M. from Pennsylvania. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, family. Russ M., recovering compulsive overeater. Before I get into it, I just want to say I'm so grateful for this meeting and congrats on, on this anniversary. I know I wouldn't be here without this meeting uh, because this meeting has taught me to rely on God and surrender everything to God. It's the way it was shown to me. I know it's not it's not God, but it's it's walked me to God and his power in my life. So this step, how, how did it impact me? You know, thinking about it, what comes up is humility. Not that I'm a humble guy because I'm not. I'm really not. I have to keep it in check, right? When we write these things down, we start this list. We, You know, the intention of our heart, just the intention of our heart, I believe, unlocks blessings from God. You know, that's why why we have to write it down. You know, if we if, if I just look at my my fourth step and my harms and the things that I've done in life in my head, to me, it's not like you. Uh, you know, I could get away with it. I'm not going to be truthful because I'm not going to see the magnitude of my harms and the things that I've done that blocked me from God and hurt others. And I have to write it down. And for me, not being the most humble guy in the world, who the hell wants to admit that they're wrong? Who who wants to admit that they have a, a, a part in a disastrous life, in, in a life of failure, a life of pain and misery and confusion? I don't want to look at that. I don't want to look at that. I didn't want to write them down, in all honesty. But what other option did I have? You know, like at almost every step, we're at a crossroads with taking action, right? At every step. At this step, it was like, I got it. You know, I have to make these things right, you know? And I had not to get, I couldn't get ahead of myself either because, you know, writing these things down, sometimes you jump to step nine. And I had to, I had to quiet my heart, quiet my mind and say, I'm just writing these down. I'm admitting where I'm wrong and where I got to make it right. Who do I got to straighten it out with? Who? What entity? You know, it wasn't just people. How about the bank? 
that I had beat for 30 grand and the credit card company had beat for 30 grand. Had to make that right. And it is ego deflation. It is, you know, I don't want to say humility, but I got humbled by doing it, which was the, one of the greatest things in my life. When I look back at this step, writing this list, and even having that little bit of tension to trying to make it right and being a little fearful was one of the greatest things that happened to me because it's growth. If I don't do it, if I don't attack these, if I don't make the facts the facts, if I don't call the truth what it is, if I don't, you know, the things I did, the things I had a part in, which is mostly everything, right? Mostly everything. How am I ever going to get to the point where I'm going to be free? Because it's always going to be someone else's fault. It's always going to be, not Russ, I take zero responsibility. So the intention of just writing them, not making the amends, but just writing these things down and looking at them and saying, that's the truth. And with, with the help of my sponsor, right, he guided me through this. He, he, he sifted through, you know, my, my baloney, you know, my defense mechanisms, you know, where I was trying to cut a corner. I wasn't afraid to say, yo, you got to make it right, dude. You know, you ain't special. You ain't, you know, <laughs> you don't know better than anybody else. You know, the, the 12 steps don't work in a rust manipulated form. It has to be done as the book, you know, uh, 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 it prescribes it, right, as it's written. And once I did that, I don't know about you guys, but with every step, and especially this one, especially this one, it's like I was further away from that obsession. Those things that were in my heart, the things that I did to hurt people, the, the, the things that, you know, my wrongs, the things I screwed up in life didn't have me in bondage just by writing them down. And looking at them and saying, look, I got to make it right. Truly, this is, <laughs> I mean, that's how it happened for me. You know, I don't, I don't know how to say, you know, I am a little bit overly dramatic. You know, I'm Sicilian, so everything is up to, you know, another notch. But it's true. It's true. You know, this action of, of having the intention of my heart and looking at this and say, I got to make this right. I got to make it right. Not making it right. Just saying, I got, you know, staying in step eight. You know, when I came in, well, I, I, you know, it's not just rust, you know. But when I, when I came in, I, you know, I was destroyed. I was a train wreck. I, 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 I lost almost everything, right? Y'all, if you ever heard me speak, you know, it's the same thing. I say the same thing. I'm over here. But the fact remains you know, if, if, if I wasn't walked to, through these steps, if I didn't see my part in these things, I would never have the life that I have now. I would never have the life that I have now. You know, and it, it's, uh, yeah, you have to, you have to, uh, you just got to do it. You know, I got had to stop thinking about it, and I had to just face the truth, you know, one of my brothers on this line says, the truth will set you free, but at first it'll piss you off. And it did that for me. But guess what? The anger, resentment, and rage I had towards myself 
turned into, once I wrote it down, once I saw the truth, it didn't kill me, right? I'm still in the line, right? I'm not dead. You know, my life didn't end because I, I admitted to myself that I was screwed up and then I hurt some people and then I got to make, got to make it right. So just do the step. Now, seven minutes are up. I'm sorry. And I'm going to just change it up as I leave. I love you guys. Thank you for everything. I appreciate being part of this. Thank you so much, Russ M. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Presented by Mo H. from California. Hey, good morning, Leah, and all that are on the line. My name is Mo H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Walnut Creek, California. And I'm very grateful, as everyone else has said, to be here on the line this morning with all of you and to be celebrating eight years of this wonderful phone meeting that really has saved my life. I've been on the meeting for about four and a half, on the, on the line about four and a half years ago. I, w- I want to qualify a little bit first. Uh, in 1989, I was in therapy for three years, and I finally shared with my therapist that I thought I had a problem with food and she was the one that sent me to OA. And I was in there for about uh, six years, seven years, and I kind of dabbled with the steps. I don't think I got past step three and don't think I even got to step nine. But I had a really big relapse of four years, and then I came back in 2000. And since then, I have had many slips and relapses with some recovery. But in 2015, After a two-month binge and a gain of 25 pounds, I called a program friend up and told her that I couldn't stop eating, especially sugary food. And I had been abstinent for five years prior to that. And she asked me if I was desperate and if I was willing to go to any length and if I was willing to give up all control. And I was desperate and I was willing and I said yes to her questions, and she became my sponsor. But she's the one that introduced me to these meetings. And I be- tell you, this this meeting has saved my life. So, um, And the miracle that I thought would never happen, happened. So the principle of step nine is brotherly love. And it's the first step dealing with other people. Up to this point, we've been dealing with ourselves. Um you know, in one, two, and three, and then four through eight. But uh, And this is a scary proposition that I was going to have to face other people that I had done harm to or I had uh, stolen from or that I had, you know, uh, affected them. So um, I did some amends early on in program, in, in, in early on in 2000, Uh, but I don't remember them really changing my life. Those amends were mainly to my family, to my husband, to my mom, my dad. Uh, But I remember my sponsor saying that the ninth step promises won't come true until I'm halfway through with my amends. So I'm going to share with you an amends that I made that is very uh, humbling, And it's a little scary to share because it's just been between my sponsor and I and the people that I uh, made amends to. But I think by hearing it that you will, um, maybe I'm not alone, that you will have had this uh, thing happen to you too. So one of the most powerful amends was making restitution to three grocery stores. 
I did not want to tell my sponsor, but I remembered that I was willing to go to any lengths at the beginning. I had left these amends out all the other times I did nine steps. I wasn't going to tell anyone this secret. This was very humbling. I used to take really steal food, food items, out of grocery bins in the grocery store. And I would put them in a plastic bag and eat that stuff while I was going around the store, and then I would pay for the rest, thinking that if I did that, that was okay. No, it wasn't. When I finally told my current sponsor, she reminded me on page 76, remember it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. She suggested I make restitution to these stores. I was mortified. I uh, prepared myself with the Step 9 script, which is the bottom of page 77, and I want to read that for you. Very bottom, it says, We go out to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. So I had my script that my sponsor helped me put together, and it is very important when we are doing um, Ninth Steps that we have our script done with our sponsor. I sat outside the first grocery store shaking and sweating. I called my sponsor and told her that I was about to walk into the grocery store and I was scared to death. She said that if I wanted to get well, I needed to clean up all of my past behaviors. She said I would. she would pray for me. I mustered up all the courage I could and asked God for guidance. I asked for the store manager and the employee asked why. And I really didn't want to answer her. I was scared, but I said I wanted to make restitution for food that I had stolen. I shared my amends with that manager and gave her a check to cover all the candy and nuts I had taken. She gave me a big hug and said that this must have been difficult for me, and that eased my fear. She told me that many people are, as on, are not as honest as I am. She accepted the money and was putting it toward a nonprofit that the grocery store supports. I walked out of that store with my head held high, and I felt much lighter as the promises say. It gave me the strength to go to the next store. I was received as well at that I wasn't received as well at that store, but my part was finished. And the third store thanked me and asked me to contribute the money to a food bank, which I did. How has this step nine impacted me? When I go into any grocery store that those that has those loose bins, I recoil from them as if from a hot flame which is one of our promises on the bottom of page 89. I'm not even tempted to look. The freedom of following through with this particular step nine changed my life. This step nine changed my life. I felt the ninth step promises coming true for me. 
for the first time in all those years, I had neutrality around the food, and I felt the freedom this step promises. This didn't happen till four years ago, after 27 years in the program. This was the secret I was going to take to my grave. And it may have been one of the reasons I kept succumbing to the food for all those years. And in wrapping up on page 83 of the AA 12 and 12 of Step 9 states, Good judgment, a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. These are the qualities which we shall need when we take Step 9. Thank you, Leah, for asking me to share this morning, and I pass. Thank you, Mo H., for your presentation. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Presented by Jen A. from Colorado. Good morning, Leah. This is Jen. Can you hear me? I hear you well. Perfect. Thanks so much. Had a few little difficulties getting uh, unmuted. Um, wow, what a privilege and an honor um, to speak this morning. And um, happy birthday, family. Um, we're all in this together, right? And um, I think that's just how God works. And I know that he does this um, because he's, uh, when Leah asked me to speak on step 10, it's like it came, step 10, step 10 came on fast and furiously for me starting Friday afternoon. Um, and then thank you for those of you who did the step 10s with me, um, Fridays and Saturday, and then <laughs> who called me and said, will you do a step 10 with me? It's like my phone kept going off. And, you know, I'm reminded in this step that I've come so far, right? In steps one, two, and three, I've gotten right with God. In steps four, five, and six, I got right with myself. In eight and nine, I got right with others. And in 10, 11, and 12, I'm staying right with God, myself, and others. This, this step is vital. And like it was said by a couple of fellows this morning, and my daughter asked me, Mom, if you could take just one step, which one would you want? If you can take one of the 12, what would you take? And I think it's been said, I, you know, I can't. I got to have them all. They all work together. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven, and twelve. Um, ten is is the heart for me today. Um, ten, eleven, and twelve. And so I'll just speak directly on ten um, because when it talks in there, it tells me um, that I'm going to continue to take personal inventory. I'm going to continue to do everything that I've just learned. Right in school, I learned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And now I'm just going to keep doing it over and over and over again right? I'm going to maintain. This is a maintenance step. I'm going to endure. How am I going to endure this life? By continuing to stay on track and persevere. That's the principle that lies behind step 10. Um, And when I take these actions, right, God's going to make the changes. God's going to continue to mold me and change me. Um, And, you know, I'll just say this, that um, the butterfly is a huge image to me. Um, I, I came into this uh, program um, as this lowly caterpillar, this worm that crawled on her belly right in the dirt and the mud of the garden. I just saw yuck and mud, and I wallowed in self-pity, self-destruction, um, dishonesty and fear, right? Like, that's who I was. And as a result of doing these steps, 
um, that cocoon um, was placed around me. And when I was ready, and Mo just talked about those ninth step promises coming true, I, you know, I broke out of that cocoon, and I was free to fly. Um, and that's how I see myself. I'm no longer the lowly caterpillar on the bottom of the garden floor. I'm flying high over all of God's creation. I'm a part of just the majesty and wonder. Uh, you know, I fly high from the trees. I see the flowers, um, the mountains, the water below me. Like, that's how I'm supposed to live today, right? God took me from being useless to useful. Um, and, and, that's, and that's the transformation process. Um, and in this, in this step, it says that I'm going to continue to take personal inventory, which I'm going to do steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and continue to set right any new, new mistakes as I go along. So I'm going to make amends, right? And I always used to meet with my sponsor every Saturday, and I would say, oh, my gosh, and he'd be like, do you owe any amends? I'm like, no, thank God. Like every week, I would just be like, no amends, no amends, right? Um, and, and I'm going to continue to do this as I cleaned up the past. That's the other instruction it gives me. I started this when I was on my ninth step amends because I couldn't handle that buildup, right, of human emotion without continuing to do the work, continue, continue, continue. And I think the line that, that rings for me in this, in the 10th step on page 84, it says, I've entered the world of the spirit. This was the, this was a big turning point for me. You know, I've learned about, and there's a solution, the four dimensions of existence. There's a dimension of height, depth, width. But what about that spiritual dimension? Man, when I got, when I was rocketed into that fourth dimension, um, that's the spiritual realm. I had a new attitude on life. And guess what? My soul was whole. I can now live in constant contact with my creator in that spiritual dimension. Um, you know, rocketed. Wow, that's such, it, it, it's, it's so phenomenal to me. And because I've entered the world of spirit, I got some work to do. I got to continue to stay on track. And what am I going to do? I'm going to watch. I'm going to ask. I'm going to discuss. I'm going to make, and I'm going to turn. Those are the action things that I'm going to do in step 10. What am I watching for? I'm watching for that fourth column that was in that inventory that I'm going to go back and do. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And you know what? I also get to discuss them with someone immediately. In that fifth step we heard this morning that you're going to give it away to somebody else. That got me out of myself. That got me out of isolation. That was just the beginning of turning over all my dirty little secrets and the wrongs that I had done. I'm now doing that for a lifetime with someone else. Um, I'm going to ask God to remove them. Going to God and asking him to remove the defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows, that's huge for me. Tears fall from my eyes when I say that sick man's prayer. What does it mean to have love, tolerance, pity, and patience, and to do it cheerfully? That's what gets me. Um, I'm also going to make amends quickly if I have harmed anyone. And then it tells me to do one more thing. I'm going to turn my thoughts and my directions to someone else that can help. You know, I think about that. That's the big thing. Um, one of my sponsees called me yesterday, and we did a resentment inventory, and she goes, Jen, because we have this little cheat sheet paper thing that we use because I say, you know, I say we put pen to paper because it tells us that three times in the big book. We don't do it in our head. Um, my head is a jumbled mess. So we put on paper. She goes, at the end, it doesn't remind me to turn my, my thoughts and directions to someone I would help. And if I don't have my big book, I said, okay, we'll write it on there. So turning my thoughts to someone I can help, right? Because I got to get out of myself. 
because love and tolerance is my code is what it tells me. And then it goes into a plethora of, of promises that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a part of as I do this um, 10 step. And um, Leah, because I had technical difficulties, you have to tell me when to stop because I couldn't hit my timer um, when my earbuds went out. Um, but you know, I, I just, I'm so, I'm so grateful that I get to grow in understanding and effectiveness um, and that God has changed a girl like me. Um, and, and this is the part, you know, when someone calls me on the phone and said, somebody gave me your number because they said you work this program and that you, you don't give up. And you know what? I can't give up. I can't give up. The life that I have today is so beautiful, so rich, so amazing because of these principles this spiritual toolkit that was laid at my feet, I picked it up. I sat across from somebody every Saturday, opened this big book, cracked it open, and I applied it. And you all on a vision for you helped me and have taken me through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, line by line, page by page, in the last three years. And I've done it, I think, two. This is like my third time going through the big book. I can't get enough. Life's in session. You all are my teachers. God keeps showing up bigger and, and better than he ever has before. And, and that's the beauty of this step 10, right? I have sanity. I have grace. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. I don't have body dysmorphia. It's completely been vanished and removed. Don't ask me how. All I can say is God. I don't compulsively overeat. I'm not obsessed with the scale. I can go on a walk or, a, or just a small jog. I don't have to be in the gym three times a day. I don't use laxatives. I don't beat myself up with a hammer anymore, right? No, instead I'm being a maximum service to God and all of God's kids. And my son said to dinner at last night, he goes, Mom, you really are going to do this for the rest of your life? I said, you bet I am, right? I've, I'm going to keep in fit spiritual condition is what it says at the end of those 10-step promises. Because you know what? The next line for me is a warning. If I let up on this spiritual program of action and I rest on my laurels, I am headed for trouble. And that's when I have to remember, I am never cured. My friend on this line says, I am never cured. I have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance. The maintenance is what? It starts with 10, it's 11, and it's 12. That's my spiritual condition. And I do this happily, Joyous, free. That was the first. That was the first. Uh, you know, big book retreat I ever went to. Happy, joyous, and free. And I looked at all you people like you were effing crazy. Are you kidding me? So I'm just gonna continue doing God's will, um, in everything, right? At my home, at my job, with all of you, and all in everything that I do. And I think that's good. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Leah, for this opportunity. And thank you, Jen A., for your beautiful presentation on Step 10. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, presented by Judy F. from Massachusetts. Thank you, Leah. Can I be heard? Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much for asking me to be here this morning. And happy anniversary of Vision for You, eight years. I, I still remember July 8, Wednesday, July 18, 2012, when we all met together 
for the first time um, on this meeting, and I was just so excited to. Uh, I, and I've I've even grown as Leah had talked earlier before the meeting started. You know, I keep coming, um, I keep growing uh, in my relationship with my higher power, myself, and others. And um, I am recovered. I um, just to give you a quick background. Uh, July 29th, 1991 was my abstinence date, and I've been recovered probably 28 to 28 and a half years. Um, my first time through the steps, I did it with a group, and um, it took about a year. And it, within that, um, I'm not sure when we got to step nine, but I, I have been recovered, and it is. Um, this step is, has been crucial. Uh, well, all the steps. Um, I, I believe step 11 is a culmination of steps one through 10 that I practice um, daily, and it is daily. Um, I had hit a bottom uh, at that time, and I w had lost my job. I had suicidal ideation. I was um, at least 50 pounds overweight and um, out of control with the food. I was a binger, I was a grazer, I restricted, I um, over-exercised, I purged, I overused laxatives. And, um, and I was hospitalized twice, and I um, came to a uh, treatment center, and the first thing they gave me um, wasn't the scale, uh, wasn't, you know, my directions, it was a big book, and we got right into the doctor's opinion. And while I was in there, I worked steps one, two, and three, and then um, got out and got right into a, a step group and worked this program and put this program first in my life. And um, I could go on about that, but uh, I couldn't do, can't be here in step 11 without having had worked um, steps one through 10. And I had to work on a, a higher power of my own understanding and sometimes of not understanding, but my conception, which is more of love and, and not a punishing father. And that's been um, a process. And I just realized I forgot to set my timer, so I think I've done about five, two minutes. So, um, And so here we are uh, in the um, first in, in the 12, AA 12 and 12, it, it says prayer meditation are our principal means of conscious contact with God. So in step 11, sought, I am a seeker. Um, I'm, I'm always seeking, and I learned here, it's not seeking my own will. It's not seeking to get my own way. It's not even seeking to be comfortable. I went to the food. Food had been my higher power, and I went to the food for comfort to... Um, numb out really to to be um to feel good about myself i mean for for everything and and um obviously it didn't work and it was killing me um in mind body and spirit and so um i needed a power that was a loving power and that a power that um could help me one not pick up the compulsive bite and two be able to live with life's realities and not run and, and not um, hurt myself or others. So sought um, and through prayer meditation to improve. So um, like others have shared, the, the other steps before this, I did, um, I did a lot of prayer in the other steps and um, 
develop, developing this relationship with the higher power, a power, a power of love. And now it's to improve that daily. Um, this is a growth step for me. I'm, I'm always growing in um, different ways for my prayer and meditation. Oh, also, um, on 97 and step 11 of the AA 12 and 12, uh, those of us, uh, let's see, when we refuse air, light, and food, the body suffers. And when we turn away from meditation and prayer, we likewise deprive our minds, our emotions, and our intuitions of vitally needed support. Vitally, that's to live, support. As the body can fail for its purpose of lack of nourishment, so can the soul. We all need the light of God's reality, the nourishment of his strength, and the atmosphere of his grace. To amazing extent, the facts of AA life confirm this ageless truth. And for me, prayer meditation, not only does it relieve me from the bondage of self in a big way, um, and my, um, that my desire to pick up the compulsive bite, but also to give me emotional balance. Um, because if I'm off on balance, I'm going to want get balanced and I can't do it in my own. I am a compulsive self-reliant person and my ego is regenerated every day, every morning. Um, I have um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and um, I get triggered um, throughout the day and that's why I need, I need prayer and meditation in the morning and then I need conscious contact with my higher power throughout the day. As of gone along these last 28 years, I'm even more aware on how much I need God. And um, so some things that, you know, I've, I do is I, um, I do it at a review and sometimes it's nightly. Most of the times it's, it's in the morning. It's um, on page 86. Uh, and the neat thing is that first paragraph, full paragraph, I know how to do that because I did that in steps four through nine. So this comes Pretty regularly because I did a very the first time I did a very thorough um, four step four through nine and then I've done some other times I've been through the steps so you know watching um, and in step ten watching that's again seeking watching being present present in the moment um, and so I do that that review and then I'm ready I'm, I'm it's clearing me out so that then I can. I have prayers and I pray for people, my family. I put, put petitions out to God. I may ask God, how can I correct what I've, um, I've seen in my nightly or morning review beforehand? And then I have um, some mornings I do the third step prayer. Some, some mornings I, I'm, I take about an hour for this. So, um, and then I do meditation. Listening is really important for me because I can be a compulsive doer and just want to go and do action. So this was big for me in step 11 to just sit and breathe like right now, bringing God in and trusting, building that trust. Sometimes I take a, a, a scripture reading, sometimes I take a word, sometimes I go on Insight Timer and I listen to a guided meditation, but it's slowing myself down to listen, listen for God. Throughout the day, I'm praying, I'm looking for God's 
direction. I'm looking how God is blessing me. I'm looking on where God wants to use me. God is, um, I think it was in the third step someone shared, God is everything. God is all around. And I'm, my part is to stay mindful and present. And breathing helps me to do that. Just saying, where are my feet planted right now? I can get very overwhelmed um, and I can get uh, triggered by angry people or um, unhappy people. And I want to go right into my defects of people pleasing or control. And so um, I need to, what this step has also showed me is I need to be open-minded, honest, and willing. And this has helped me. Um, Remember that. So the impact of step 11, by taking that time in the morning, that sets me up for the day of living in connection with God. And when I'm connecting with God, I also go within. Um, God is in every one of us in the big book. Deep down in every one of us is the presence of God, the idea of God. So it's not looking outside myself for the answers, for the guidance. It's going within. And so I do that in the morning to set my day. Then during the day when I'm at work, um, I'll go into the bathroom. I'll, I'll set or go into my office and just breathe and just say, your will be done, God. Your will be done. Or help me, God. Or slow me down, God. Or I, I am enough. That's a big one. God created me and he created me as being enough. And then um, that pause. Uh, the big book is, goes through all of this. I love that there are directions for me. I also appreciate it says that we, we also look to others for guidance, um, rabbi, minister, and I have done that and also other books. So how has it impacted me? It's helped me with my daily decisions. I used to just get so overwhelmed with decisions. I can pause and I can wait, and that comes into intuition or I'll get a sign or someone, I'll get it um, repeated three times to me it, from different people, and then I know, okay, that, that I can do. Um, it's helped me grieve the death of my father, my brother, um, my mother. It helped me with my mother's Alzheimer's. It, it was a lot of times really um, so sad when I was with her, and it helped me to see what she was teaching me, to stay in the moment. It helped when I had cancer, and I had to be bedridden for six weeks. Um, it helped me with, as I said, my PTSD, um, with sponsoring, uh, with stress at work. It helps me um, just connect to others, and especially with sponsoring. I find it's the best thing for me to do a lot of times is just listen and then ask questions and then just share my experience. So it's really given me ultimately the freedom from compulsive overeating. I, I, it's ama it still amazes me. I don't think to go to the food. I think to go to um, God or to share with someone. Um, meditation, you know, that listening. Um, and so, and it really has grown. It did start as a mustard seed, and then with the daily nurturing of just showing up. It doesn't have to be perfect. The only way I do it wrong is if I don't show up. And even if it's some days, I don't do it an hour every day. Sometimes it's only 10 minutes, but I need that connection for me, not to please God, but, but for me to be useful and effective to others. 
So I think I'm probably at my time. Just thank you so much for asking. And, um, and we do have, there is a solution here and it is my higher power and it is there for everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Presented by Marcella M. from Massachusetts. Um, thank you, Leah. Um, my name is Marcella M. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Can you hear me? I hear you well. Oh, beautiful. Um, happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, Evasion, for you. I'm picturing eight years old. I'm picturing an eight-year-old child enjoying um, their bicycle. You know, like the joy of youth, but also the warning that we are still unexperienced as a group. It is so wonderful to be among you where I feel safe and protected. It used to be that I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating no matter how much I tried, no matter how much how many meetings I attended, no matter how much outside help I sought, I just couldn't stop eating. Even I ate without my permission. I ate against my will. I ate crying while praying to God, in which I've always believed for me to stop eating the way that I was doing it, and I just couldn't. And a little over nine years ago, um, I was directed to um, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, not in a way, in AA, um, that a fellow AA person told me that this book was the solution for all kinds of addictions and all kinds of addictive behaviors. So. With his help, and he doesn't even share the ingredient with me. <laughs> He's a drug addict. Um, but he explained to me how I was using food as a drug, an impairing drug that was literally killing me and robbing me from my dignity as a human being. And I got abstinent. But then, of course, I create people that would read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and had the exact same trouble that I had. And um, oh, I'm getting a text from there. I don't know, Leah. Can you hear me better now? Oh, okay, good. So, um, where was I? So I joined a vision for you, and to my endless surprise, I am not alone. There are so many people that feel the way that I feel, that are thinking the way that I feel, that I'm thinking, and that have the exact same problem. And 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 so I joined a vision for you in all earth earnest and I have a, I have I got a sponsor who directed me through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous this time for food. And um and I was relieved for the horrible, horrible, 
mental disease of never being able to want more food and to stop worrying about it. And um, I am a free person now because I'm not hungry. Thank you, thank you, thank you, higher power. I'm not hungry and I'm not worried about um, shape and looks and um, weight and, and body mass index and all of that. Um, five years and a half ago, a woman from Madrid called me and, and she demanded that I help her because her English was not very fluent. And I was convinced that that was not going to be done because I live in Boston. So I thought, how is the change of time zone and not to mention language because I got abstinent in English and I didn't have the big book in Spanish. I thought it was impossible and too difficult to do. And what happened to us is that um, we um, started reading the big book. She got her big book in Spanish. I had my big book in English. And, um, and today, five years and a half after the fact, we are 1,300 Spanish speakers following closely the, um, the Vision for You big book study. And, um, and I, we are counting incredible recordings. Um, I observe our group and when we have the chance to get together physically, I observe the old timers of this book, of this meeting, and, uh, and we carefully study a vision for you in English. We call in every morning, a little before 7 Eastern Time and Time. We take note of the paragraph that we're studying in English, and then we start studying it in Spanish. And, and that's how we're doing it every day, every day, every day. Um, um, how it is now for me here and now, um, I was so worried, guys. <laughs> I'm laughing right now, but last night I was crying. I was so nervous and so scared, and I felt so inadequate. And, and, and I just kept writing and writing and writing and rewriting my seven-minute share. And I woke up at 1.30 in the morning, and I just said, Please, God, help me. I was so worried. And then Leah started speaking. And I said, surprise, surprise. I am not alone. Somebody else is thinking my thoughts and feeling my feelings. I wrote down these um, words that I'm stealing from Leah. She said, the subtle temptation of our apparent success. That's where I am right now. I, um, I look at my Spanish-speaking community, which is, a community that I didn't even know I craved, right? And I look at a vision for you, and I want to um, avoid the subtle temptation of apparent success. Um, so I woke up early, you know, as I said, and I dressed up because this is a celebration. It's a very important birthday party. I'm wearing a beautiful Mexican traditional dress, and I'm wearing my finest jewelry. And then I went to my car. <laughs> because that's the quietest place that I can have access right now. And I'm looking at my street. I live in Upham's Corner in, in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm looking at my street and I say, wow, I don't know my neighbors. I've been living here for seven years and I probably know three of my neighbors. And, and my heart is bursting with curiosity and hunger 
I am going to write a letter to my neighbors because I'm sure that among my neighbors, there is somebody that is eating compulsively as we're speaking and doesn't even know that there is a solution and a higher power and, and a way out. I don't know how many minutes I have spoken, but I think I'm done. And thank you, everybody, for being here. And happy birthday. Long life to a vision for you. Thank you, Marcella M., for your beautiful presentation. Thank you to all the presenters this morning for sharing how the steps have made an impact on your hearts, on your minds, and on your spirits and souls. Appreciate all that you've given to us this morning and sharing your messages of depth and weight. The share ID for today's presentation, 15,007. That's 15007. Thank you to each and every one of you for your participation in a vision for you and for helping with God's grace to create the fellowship that we crave. And we'll close from page 164 from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road Have happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.